How's everybody doing this morning? Welcome to International Family Church. We are so pumped you're here. I see you waving at me over there. I'll wave back at you. Thank you for coming today. If you're a guest with us, my name is Josh Roberts. I'm the lead pastor here. And on behalf of my wife, our staff, our elders, I want to just say, take it easy. Welcome home. Make yourself at home. I really believe that God has something for you. Would you help me make some noise for all those watching around the world online? We love you. Thank you for joining us today. Wherever you're watching from, we believe that God has got something for you. I had a lady message first service. She was watching from Cameroon. Anybody from Cameroon? Where's all my Cameroon friends over here? Right on. And uh, I was thinking about her. That was my first trip to Africa. And so we give a shout out to all of our friends in Africa today. Can I welcome a few more people? Would you welcome IFC Youth is in the house this morning? The first Sunday of the month, we call it Worship with the Family Weekend. And if you're a parent, I want to just pressure you a little bit. Turn your neighbors and here he comes. I want to urge you to encourage your students to be a participator in what God is doing in our student ministry. I was here Friday night. Philip and his team had an amazing, uh, what we call it, a block party Friday night. We had over 120 students in there worshiping God, um, hearing the gospel. Barbara, you bless me, girl. I was in tears as you were given that call to worship. The hand of God's on you. I'm so pumped about what God is doing through Philip and this team. And again, if you have uh, children ages 7 through 12, Sunday morning, second service, they meet right back here. We have a brand new fifth and sixth grade ministry, second service, they meet right upstairs, remnant. And I'm going to say this to you, let's make room for the young people. I said, let's make room for them. I love seeing the young people sing. I, I saw some, some new faces on the stage today. Uh, we have a series coming up. Uh, I'm going to give you a little heads up. In a few weeks, we're going to have a Sunday where you're going to hear from some fresh voices. I haven't known if we're going to call it fresh voices. Maybe we're going to call it young guns. I don't know. But I, I want to I showcase a few young people to you on a Sunday morning that have answered the call of God, that are saying yes to God, and I want you to hear what God is speaking through them. So I'll tell you more about that, but that's coming up. Hey, one last group. I, I have great friends here. Joel and April Luzanow are here from Tulsa, Oklahoma. Would you stand up this morning? These are amazing people. Come on, you can do better than that. These are my friends. I love you. Thank you for being here. Their son, Riley, is three. He's upstairs, and kids will probably give it an altar call about right now. I met Joel uh, 27 years ago. We went through Bible school together, and we've been lifelong friends. It's been 27 years, something crazy like that. And uh, Joel and his family, they travel all over the world hosting mass crusades, gospel crusades in nations that seem to be closed to other. God gives them favor. They're getting ready to head to Croatia here very quickly. And uh, so I, want, I wanted you to meet them. They're going to be up in the cafe after service, hanging out. Come introduce yourself to them. We love you guys. Thanks for, thanks for hanging out with us today. Hey, I'm excited. I went over first service. I'm going to try and stay with the clock today. Last week, I talked trash on the clock. Today, I'm going to try and Go with the clock. We are finishing a series today called Not of This World. Would you say that with me? Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm not of this world. And I'll give you a little recap for the last two weeks, and then I'll, I'll close this down today. And next week, we've got Chip Judd from Seacoast is going to be with us. It's going to be a great service. You're going to want to be there. But the last couple of weeks, I've been talking about what it means to be not of this world. And I started the series telling you a crazy story about a guy I met at a UFO museum in Roswell, New Mexico. His name was Shu. 
How many of you remember my story about shoe? And I've been thinking about shoe for the last couple of weeks because shoe has devoted his life to make sure that people know that aliens have visited the earth. That's his life's mission. He is obsessed with aliens and this crash in Roswell. He's dedicated. And I've been thinking about it. What if the church of Jesus Christ became the same passionate people about Jesus coming to the earth? And that everywhere we went, man, we just couldn't help ourselves. Do you know, did you know that he came? Because all of a sudden when we get consumed with understanding Jesus was sent to the world... Man, lives get changed. And so I talked about in week one the three reasons that I believe Jesus came to the world. That's not all inclusive, but three. The first one was he was doing the will of his father. He came to reconnect man and God for what Adam messed up for us. He also came to redeem us. Everybody say redeem us. He was sent here to buy us back, to purchase us back with his blood. And lastly, he came to save us, but also to introduce the kingdom of light. And I shared with you about uh, you and I, we are light carriers. Turn to your neighbor and say, better wake up. He's ready to preach today. I talked to you last week about him being, uh, we're light carriers. The, the gospel is inside of us. He's in us, the hope of glory, which gives us light in dark areas. I've been, I've been singing to my daughter for, she's three almost every night uh, for the last three years, and she won't let me put her bed to bed anymore. I'll say, honey, it's time to go to bed. She said, mama, put me to bed. And I play the sad card like, oh, you hurt my feelings. And she said, no, mama, put me to sleep. I said, okay, all right, I'll go put Hunter and Cash to bed. And mama goes in there and puts her to sleep. And every night, mama comes out and says, she wants daddy to sing her a song. And so I walk in, and she said, Daddy, will you sing me a song? Every night. And I said, what song do you want me to sing? And she holds up her little finger, and she said, this little light, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Can you sing it with me? This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. I feel like Joey right now. (laughs) My brother always sings in his messages. But it's important that we remind our children that God sent Jesus to the earth to bring light and to put light in us. And we teach them that everywhere they go, they are a little light to be shining. Last week, I talked about not only Jesus was sent, but I shared with you the scriptures where he said, so then I send you. And he commissioned us in Mark 16, 15, go into all the world and preach the gospel with signs following that you and I now have been commissioned. And we spent the majority of last week talking about our purpose. That, that once you discover your purpose, you, you find your destiny. And I, and I shared two things, and I, I pray that you remember these about your purpose. But your purpose is eternal. For everybody else walking around in darkness, their purpose is, is, is for this time period. They're buying things, they're building things, whether it's a reputation or a bank account or a home or a business. They're building things on natural foundations that in one moment are all going to be gone. But for you and I as believers, there's a light in us and we understand it is an eternal light. You have an assignment on this earth in this time period, but our spirits will live forever. And the goal is that we recognize that we are eternal beings. And our goal here is to light up other people that they can spend eternity with us worshiping Jesus Christ. Your purpose 
is eternal. And the second thing you need to be reminded of about your purpose is your purpose isn't about you. Yeah, turn to your neighbor and say, it ain't all about you. We're obsessed with ourselves. I was talking with a couple upstairs between services, and they were talking about the selfie stick and, and people taking selfies. The Bible says that people in the end times will become lovers of them, of themselves. That's the world's way to find happiness and joy and peace. But that's not us. Our existence and our purpose is not about self. It's about other people. And you have to realize that you're on an assignment, not for yourself, but for eternity to help other people. So if you skip the last two weeks, I just caught you up in the cliff notes right there. I want to get into today's message. And I want to read you a scripture out of Isaiah chapter 6. If you've got a phone or a tablet or you're old school and you want to write it down, write it down. But for those that don't have it, we'll put it on the screen. Isaiah 6 verse 1 and verse 1 through 8 out of the Living Bible, it says, It was in the year King Uzziah died that I saw the Lord. He was sitting on a lofty throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. He's having a vision here. He's having a, 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 an out-of-body experience. He's seeing something. And it says, Attending him were mighty seraphim, or you could just say angels. And they each had six wings. I love this. Two wings covered their faces. Two wings covered their feet. And then the other two they used to fly around. Verse 3 says, they were calling out to each other. These angels were yelling back and forth saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's army. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Their voices shook the temple to its foundations. And the entire building was filled with smoke. And then he said, oh man, oh my gosh, it's all over. I'm doomed for I'm a sinful man. I have filthy lips and I live amongst people with filthy lips. Yet I have seen the king, the Lord of heaven's armies. And then one of the seraphim, one of these angels flew to me with a burning coal that he had taken off the altar with a pair of tongs. And he touched my lips with it, and he said, See, this coal has now touched your lips. Now, everybody say now. now. Listen, when you experience the presence of God, things change in a moment. Right now, your guilt is removed, and your sins have been forgiven. And then I heard the Lord asking, Whom shall I send as a messenger to this people? Who will go for us? And I said, Here am I. Send me. Father, I thank you for this time together this morning. Thank you for this beautiful group of people that you've brought to this house for this moment. Pray for those watching online, those that are listening by podcast later. Lord, I pray this every week and I'll say it again today. Give us ears to hear what you would have us to hear today for ourselves. About our calling and our purpose and where you're sending us. Thank you for giving us open hearts to receive it and to be doers of the word. Lord, today we receive the word and we commit to be doers of the word. Finally, I ask you to give me boldness in the Holy Spirit to declare your word as you've placed it in my heart with accuracy and boldness. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. I don't know about you, but I've been in times where the presence of the Lord was strong like he was seeing in that time. 
And in the presence of God, where I could feel the, the tangible presence, the, it, was, it was evident that the glory of God was in there. And in those moments of just being real, sometimes I was kind of nervous, like, oh my gosh. Like I was insecure about who I was because, man, face to face with God, the Father, Jesus, the Son, or with the Holy Spirit, man, I feel like nothing. I'm human. I know my insecurities. I know my fears. I know the sins that trip me up on a regular basis. And in those moments sometimes, I've stepped back when God wanted me to step forward. I want to tell you it's natural. Because you live in this body, it's natural to be in environments where you feel uncomfortable and your mind starts telling you you're not good enough, you're not qualified, or I know what you did this weekend. And in those moments, our response shouldn't be to back up, but it should be, Lord, I, I, I know you already know this, but I say yes anyways. Yeah. I think about times in my life where I was overwhelmed by guilt and sin that even when he called me, I backed up because I felt like I was unqualified. Today, I want to dispel some myths about who he calls and I want to tell you this right at the beginning. God calls ordinary people. I said God calls ordinary people. And if you open your Bible, you'll find that he calls those people that have been cast out, those that have been rejected, and then he equips them. Yeah, but pastor, I don't, I don't feel qualified. Write this statement down. God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. Oh, I love this because it takes you and I out of the equation. If he's called you, he don't need your resume. If he's called you, he doesn't need to know your years of experience. If he's called you, he doesn't need a list of references. If he's called you, he knows the purpose for which he's placed for you, and he's sending you there. And guess what? Along the way, when you say yes, he will then qualify you. He will give you the qualities that you need to be who he's called you to be. I think back through my time as a, a young man. Uh, again, my, if you don't know my story, my parents were church planners. And, and, and all growing up, I, I, I was at church all the time. Like Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday morning, Bible study for the women. Thursday night, men's barbecue. Friday night, intercessory prayer. Watch our prayer on Saturday night from midnight to two. I mean, we lived at the church. That was my seat on the front row. I mean, nobody ever sat in our seats. That was the pastor's kid's seats. And then I think about going to children's church or do you remember Sunday school? Anybody go to church that used to have Sunday school? Wave at me. How about the old school folks? We used to have the flannel boards. And they had like the cutout characters, you know, it's before technology. The kids have screens up there now. We had old school flannel boards. We stuck, you stuck Moses to the wall, you know. <laughs> And then this was, this was Jeremiah over here, and these were the minor prophets. I, I remember hearing about the story of Gideon. You remember the story of Gideon? Have you heard that? In Judges chapter 6, Gideon is a, he's a loser. Let's just be real. On his own account, he said he was a loser. And he's hiding from the Midianites in a wine press as he's threshing wheat. He's hiding inside because he's scared he's going to get a beat down from the Midianites. Because this has been happening for year after year after year after year. And he's just gotten smart. I'll just hide to do my chores and that way I don't get beat up. And they won't steal my stuff. And he says, in that moment, the voice of the Lord came to him and said, Almighty warrior, man of valor. And he said, what you talking about, Willis? Who, 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 what? Who, what are you talking about? I'm Gideon. Ain't nobody else in here. And the Lord said, mighty warrior. 
Arise and take your place, for you will defeat Midian even as one man. That's great, Lord. But don't, I don't think you know who I am. Dude, I'm from Manasseh. Surely you know Manasseh, man. We're this little tiny blip on the other side of the tracks. Nobody likes people from Manasseh. And, and, and to be honest with you, man, in Manasseh, my family, we got the worst reputation. I, I'm from the least of the least. And, I, and if I could just give you one more disqualification, Lord, I'm the least in the family. And the Lord said, I didn't hear anything you said. All I heard was, are you going to go or not? Go in the power that has already been given to you. And if you know the story, he accepts the assignment and God brings thousands of people around him and he continues to whittle it down to 300 and they go in there and one night they clean out the Midianites because it was his destiny, it was his purpose, it was where he was sent, yet he felt unqualified. How about the old school story of David, the shepherd boy? Jesse comes to town. I mean, Samuel comes to town and knocks on Jesse's door. And he says, I'm here to appoint the next king of Israel. I think he's in your house. And Jesse gets all excited. Hey, get the guys together. Hey, the prophet's here. One of them's going to be king. Tell everybody to come out, get dressed. They begin to line them up one at a time. He said, this is my first son. He's real strong. He can bench press about 350. He said, I'm not looking for strength, man. Well, how about this guy? He's good looking. He's got charisma. The girls like him. He's got a huge following on Twitter, man. I mean, he's got influence. He said, I, God's not looking for an influencer. Well, what about this guy? I mean, he's a brainiac. This kid has been in school for years. He has a PhD from the, from the best university in the land. And he said, God's not looking for somebody just because they have wits and they're smart and they've consistently proved themselves in that. And he went down the line one by one by one, and all of them, he disqualified them, even though they had great qualities and they were flexing. Choose me. And he says to Jesse, I, I think something's going on here because I know the address of where the Lord sent me, but yet the man that I'm supposed to anoint isn't here. Is there somebody else? And the brothers all looked at each other like, oh, man, Really? David's out back. Somebody go get David. And I believe that when David walked in, that the heart in Samuel's chest began to leap because he didn't look like everybody else. He didn't talk like everybody else, but he had what he was looking for. And the Bible says he was looking for somebody that had a heart after God. And in that moment, he dumped the oil on his head and anointed him right there in that moment. And everybody else in the room would say, he's not qualified to be king. I think about all these people in the Bible that God used them and yet we still justify why he can't use us. Saul of Tarsus, murderer, persecutor of the early church. He was standing there holding the jackets of these guys that were friends of his so they could throw stones and murder Stephen right in the street for preaching the gospel. And yet on one day, He's cruising along on the road to Damascus, and the Bible says that he encountered a light and a voice, and he was struck down on the ground, and he was blinded, and he said, who, what, what, what in the world? And God called and said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said to the light, he said, who are you? He said, I'm Jesus, I'm the Messiah, and he gave him an assignment, and he said, I'm sending you to this house 
where there's a group of people waiting for you and they're going to pray for you and your eyes are going to be open and you're going to see the purpose for your life and then I'm going to send you to the Gentiles. I'm going to tell you this, I've never murdered anybody. That should be good news to you. But sometimes I feel like what I have done disqualifies me. I've said all that to say, whatever's going on in your life, go back and look at the book and realize, man, if God can use these men, I'm just ordinary too. When God called Moses to go deliver the people of Israel from slavery, he said, let my people go. Go tell Pharaoh, let my people go. Listen to this in Exodus chapter 4. Moses began to talk back and he'd say, well, what if they don't believe me? What if they, what if they don't listen to what I have to say? What if they say the Lord didn't appear to you? In verse 10, he said, pardon me, Lord, I, I, I've never been eloquent or neither in the past nor since you've spoken to me. I'm slow, I'm slow, I'm slow. He had a stutter. He was slow to speech. Said his tongue was tied. In verse 13, one more excuse. He said, pardon me, Lord, can't you just send, everybody say send. Can't you just send somebody else? And the Lord responded to him in verse 2 and said, what is in your hand? I've given you a staff. I've given you a tool, an instrument of my power. And in verse 12, he tells Moses, who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who, who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now what? Now do what? Go take a nap. Go back to work. No, no, no. Go, 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 go. I'm sending you. He said, I will help you speak and I will teach you what to say. God's just looking for some people that will say yes. I told you last week about my experience at 16 when, when I recognized that God's hand was on my life. I was in Peru with a group of people preaching open air market crusade stuff and there was a flower planter and one by one each of us got up on the flower planter and preached the gospel to those walking by and hundreds of hands would go up every time and, and, and then it was my turn and I was like, no, 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 I, I'm good. <laughs> I'm just here to backpack and eat cool food. And my sister said, it's your turn, Josh. Get up there and share the gospel. And with trembling knees and stammering lips, I got up there, and in a moment, God filled my mouth. And I preached the gospel for the very first time. And as I looked out, hundreds of people were responding to the altar. I want that Jesus. I want that freedom. I want that healing. I want that peace. You know, God wasn't asking me if I felt qualified. He was just asking me, would I do it? And I want to say that to you today. He's not asking you for your qualifications. He just wants to know, will you go to where I send you? Remember, I talked for the last two weeks about sending means there's a cause. There's a destination within a time frame. When you're sent somewhere, there's an assignment. And God doesn't need you to understand the assignment. All he needs for us is to say yes. So why do we say no so often? I'll speak for myself for for two reasons, I've said, number one, the enemy reminds me of my disqualifications. He starts talking. Every time God starts talking, the enemy starts talking. And so the Lord starts talking to you about your purpose and your destiny and everything he sees you, in you. And then when he stops talking, the enemy starts talking in your ear. And he starts talking all this junk about you. How do you know if it's God's voice versus the enemy's voice? Whatever God said about you, the enemy's going to say the opposite. If God said you're called, he's going to say you're disqualified. 
If he says that, that, you're, that you're great, he's going to tell you that you're a loser. If God tells you you're smart enough, he's going to tell you you're not smart enough. So many times in my life I've said no because he's talked me out of it. And sometimes I've talked myself out of it. I talk a lot about, and you've heard me say this before, there's two things we battle every day. It's the enemy, and then there's the inner me. Sometimes he'll talk you out of it. Sometimes you talk yourself out of it. Sometimes we don't get to blame the enemy. We've been doing our own trash talking. And I want to challenge you, don't ever let the enemy tell you that God can't use you. And don't let the inner me, inner me, tell me, tell you, tell me, tell you. Listen, tell you and tell me that you've made too many mistakes or you've gone too far. I love um, reality TV. Do you guys watch reality TV? I'm talking to students now. I know you guys are obsessed with it. I, I like reality. I like, I like Survivor. I'm a big Survivor fan. I like people that, that put themselves in crazy situations. And, and I like, um, I like um, different shows like singing competitions. Like I, like, I like American Idol. Anybody watch American Idol? Like, I love this show. And, and as much as I get moved by the people that can really sing and bring it, I, I have just as much fun laughing at those idiots that can't. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Like, they come on the stage and they audition, and it's clear. Like, they're horrible. Like, they cannot sing. And if you want to ask him, oh, I'm so sorry, who told you that you could sing? You're on national television with tens of million people watching you make a fool out of yourself. I don't know. I find humor in that. I, I do. I, I, like, I like all that stuff. I like, um, I like um, what's the other one with the competition with the families? America's Got Talent. I love this. We get to watch it with the kids, people doing crazy stunts and singing and stuff. But I got to tell you, I like the show The Voice. I, I, like, I like The Voice because The Voice is different than most reality shows. If, you don't, if you're not familiar with The Voice, it's a singing competition. And the thing that's different about The Voice is the, 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 the people that are going to pick the winner or pick the next contestant, they can't see the contestant on the stage. They sit in these high back chairs like this, and it kind of comes around, and they're facing the crowd like I'm facing you, and there's somebody singing behind them. They, they never get to see them face to face. They only get to pick them based on their... Oh, y'all seen this show? I'm talking to y'all like you've never seen it. And the thing that I love about the voice is, is they, these, these auditions happen. They call them blind auditions. And someone, some young lady will get up there and begin to sing and sing and sing. And the judges all look at each other like, well, she's good. You should hit your button. Take her. She's awesome. And then they're listening. You see their face get excited because she hits this high note. She holds this vibrato. They're on. They hit the button. And when they hit this button, it spins their chair around. And what happens? On the bottom of the chair, it says, I pick you. It's a big red light. It says, I choose you. And then, and then all of a sudden, that person gets excited, and now they've got eye-to-eye -eye contact. And man, they really belt it out because they feel validated. Someone's picked them. Someone's chosen them. Like, I'm going to make it to the next round. Blake Shelton is in love with me. This is awesome. <laughs> we like country music down south, so we're Blake Shelton fans. But this is, this is, this is so different than, than normal auditions. Because it's a blind audition. And I want to say this to you today. That you don't have to audition for God. Amen. That God, I want you to just hear me say, God's canceled your audition. You don't have to get up there and tap dance and show him how good a dancer you are. 
And you don't have to bring your resume of where you've been. And you don't have to provide a list of references for him to call. God has canceled the audition for believers in him. He's already picked you. Listen to me. He's already picked you. Way before you were born, he hit the button, spun his chair, and he's lighting up every day saying, I choose you. I've called you. I see potential in you. And what's our response to that? We have to choose him to allow him to guide us through the process. The great thing about somebody getting chosen by a coach on TV is they've already been where this young lady needs to be. They've already done multi-million platinum albums, all that stuff. They're already famous. And so what they're saying is, I see something in you, and I want to help you get to your potential. Listen to me. Listen to me, young people. You don't have to audition for God. He qualified you before you were born. He chose you. He has a purpose for you. And he's sending you to a place at 13, 15, 17. Guess what? He don't need your references. He's not asking for a resume. All he wants you to do is say, here am I. Let's go do this. Jeremiah 1.5. I got a few minutes. I haven't even got to my message yet. Jeremiah 1.5 says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I consecrated you. And I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. I'm going to say this. Everything that God has sent you to do, he's already provided the tools to get it done. I want to talk for the next five minutes, and I got four points. I'm going to go quick. I want to give you four tools that God's given you to fulfill what he's called you to do and your purpose in that place that you've been sent. And the first one is this. He's given you the Holy Spirit. He's given you a source of power. He's given you a power source to accomplish things that you cannot accomplish on your own. And I want to just say this to you. If you can accomplish your dream without God, it's not, your, it's not God's plan. It's just your dream. Anything that God's called you to do is much bigger than yourself, and it will require, I say require, the power of the Holy Spirit. Luke 24 says, and look, I'm, I'm sending you what, what my father promised. Stay in the city. Stay put until you've been clothed with power from on high. He's sending you somewhere, but he's sending you with a power source. A few weeks ago, I flew to Pittsburgh, uh, Pennsylvania to, to go to a, a pastor's event, and another pastor friend, my good friend Josh Pennington, drove over, and Josh has a cool car. He has a Tesla. Everybody say Tesla. I've never been in a, in a Tesla before. It was, it was wild. It's all, man, it's got this huge screen, and it's all mechanical. And, and he's telling me, you know, that it's, it's got two batteries in his car, one in the front and one in the back, which means it's fast, by the way. It was really fast. He hit the accelerator. My head hit the thing. I was like, oh, guys, slow down. Let me get my buckle on. Hold on. But he was telling me that he has to constantly charge his car. And he's making fun of us because we've been talking about gas prices. He said, I don't know anything about gas prices, man. I've gone electric. I've gone modern. I said, my old truck's got a carburetor, man. I don't, I mean, I'm old school. He's talking, talk, talking about the car. I said, well, how far can you drive? And he said, well, I could drive, you know, X amount of hundreds of miles. I said, and then what? You, you, you pull in somewhere and do what? He said, yeah, exactly. I pull in and I pull into a power station and I plug my car in. It's always convenient. It sounds like they always put those charging stations near Target and Starbucks. I think there's something 
we need to look into that. But he said, he said, man, he said, yeah. He said, I pull in. And he said, within 20 minutes, man, I can get this supercharged and we could go another couple hundred miles. I was amazed by that. Well, every time you, you've got to go to another destination, you've got to pull in and charge. He said, so do you. You've got to pull in and get gas. For the life of a believer, you've been given power. But let me tell you this. You have to stay hooked up to the power source on the journey. Coming to church on Sunday mornings is not enough power to get through your week. It's a boost for you. It's a quick fill up. But let me tell you this. You've got to stay connected to the Holy Spirit all week long because he's got more stops for you than you're ready to go. You're going to have to take time and set aside and say, hey, I'm taking this moment to fill up with the power so I can get where I've been sent. The second tool that he's given you, listen to this, he's given you favor. This is my life message right now. God's given you favor. If he's got an assignment on you, he's already worked it all out. We got this hustle and grind mentality. I don't believe it's biblical. I do believe that discipline and devotion are required. But I'm going to tell you this, because we're children of the king, he's already done the finished work for you. You just need to walk it out in the favor of God. Hear me say this. If you've been sent to that job on an assignment, there's a favor that comes with you that everybody else doesn't have. Some of y'all been asking about, Lord, why am I here? Tap into the favor. Tap into the preferential treatment. Esther in 5, Esther 5, 2, it says, when the king saw her standing in the court, in one moment she won favor in his sight. He said, what do you want me to do? When everybody else said, you better be careful. You didn't get invited in there. She said, I don't need to be invited. Don't you know who I am? I have a connection with God Almighty. I'm a daughter of the King. We've got to treat and teach our children that wherever they go, that there's favor going before them. There's favor following behind them. They are separated. Well, you're just saying your kids are special. Heck yeah, they are. They're connected to God the Father. He gave them the purpose. Now they just have to be obedient to walk it out. Listen, if you're not experiencing favor, either you don't have a revelation of it or you're not fulfilling the assignment. But when you have a revelation and you're on the track to do it, man, I'm going to tell you, it's easier. It's easier to follow God's plan. When he's called you to go to nations and you're sacrificing your time and energy, it shouldn't cost you more to work harder. Walk in the favor and watch what he continues to open up. All he asked you to do was say yes. Just say yes. And I believe that for both of you, that this next year, there's going to be greater favor. Not only in the nations, but also with the fundraisers. There's going to be greater favor on Go Beyond. Because you said yes and you were willing to go. And there's going to be churches like IFC who say, hey, we're looking to send people. And because you've said, yes, there's going to be a favor on it, and the next season is going to be easier, where you're not going to have to drive to every church and meet with everybody and have coffee with other pastors. There's going to be people who say, we heard what you're doing. We want to come to you. We want to partner. How do we help? I want to challenge you. Declare that favor over your life, over your son, over your ministry. And as you go to Croatia next week, it's going to be different than before because there's going to be some doors open that people would say, I I don't even know how we... Nobody could open those doors before. He has the favor of God on your life. My friend Kevin Cooley calls it walking in the fog. Walking in the favor of God. Remind your kids of Psalms 512 before they go to school. You're favored. 
His favor goes before you. It follows behind you. It surrounds you like a shield today when you're at school. When you walk on your job that you don't like, declare out of your mouth when you get out of the car, the favor of God's on me today. I'm here on an assignment. Today, something different's going to happen, not out of my own doing, but because he's paved the way for me. The third tool that you get when you say yes is you get the anointing. Everybody say the anointing. The anointing is an outward symbol that God has chosen and separated you for a specific purpose. In the Old Testament, they would put oil on people. They would smear it into their forehead and into their hair. What are they doing? They're separating them for the purpose. When you understand that you've been sent to your neighborhood, to your campus, to your workplace, to the mission field, you need to know that there's an anointing that comes with that. There's a grace that comes on you when you say yes. Come on, Philip, come on up here. When you say yes, there's a specific grace for that assignment. I have people ask me all the time about how I was preaching the gospel at tattoo shops in Southern California for a year and a half. How did you get that invitation? I don't know. It was the favor of God, but I can tell you this. There was an anointing on me to do it. I had some guys say, well, I feel like I want to go minister to bikers. I want to go do that tattoo thing. I said, you better know that you're anointed. There's an anointing on Philip right now to, to lead our students. There's an anointing on Erica to lead our children. There's an anointing on different people. And I want to say this to you. Stay in your lane. Do what God's called you to do. So many people love what Joel and April are doing. I'd love to go do mass crusades overseas. I want to do that. I want to raise money. And they try it and try it and try it. And guess what? It never works because there's no anointing for that on their life. Stay in your lane. But when you stay in your lane, guess what? There's an anointing and a grace. Hear me say it. There's an anointing on your life. Turn to your neighbor and say, you have an anointing. Samuel anointed David. Jesus said it in Luke 4. He said, the spirit of the Lord is on me. He has anointed me. Walking in your anointing is crucial because you've been called to a specific place, a certain people group. The last one is this, number four. The tool that you get when you say yes is, everybody say number four. You get wisdom. You get wisdom. I know a lot of people that when they hear God's voice, they say, I would say yes, but I don't know how to do that. That's me. I said yes before I knew how to pastor. When you say yes, the equipment comes. The wisdom comes. The knowledge comes. The, I say it this way, the know-how comes. You know, I, I don't know about you, but like when something breaks in my house, I don't know how to fix it all. So I call Walter. true story when something breaks in my house my three-year-old says call Walter daddy he'll know how to fix it <laughs> why would we call Walter because Walter has know-how he knows how to install the dishwasher that blew up in my kitchen he knew how to put the air conditioner system in my house Walter has know-how I don't have it let me say this when you say yes to God's call you get the know-how in the moment and as you step out and walk it you may not know how to do it but as you take a step you'll know how so many people are not walking in their calling because they keep saying I said yes but I don't know how to do this 
I do it, but I don't know how to do it. I just can't do it. I don't know how to do it. Stop saying you don't know how. Change your verbiage. Release your faith and say, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. He gives me the know-how. And just be honest with the Lord. Lord, I want to do this, but I don't know how. But if you'll teach me how, I will go forward. 1 Corinthians 2.16 says it's strange. It's as strange as it seems. We Christians actually do have within us a portion of the very thoughts and minds of Christ. Hear me as I close today. You have the know-how in you. You have wisdom beyond your years. You have understanding beyond your education. And as you renew your mind to his word, you can stop saying what you don't know how to do and start declaring, I'll know how to when I need to. I know people that make incredible amounts of money that have eighth grade educations. I have a good friend. He's a multi, multi, multi millionaire. He has an eighth grade graduation. He quit in eighth grade. But in the years of his teenage years, he turned his life over to the Lord and the Lord gave him some supernatural ability, some know-how knowledge. And he took that knowledge and he invested it into a business. And today he's very, very, what I would call uber wealthy. What is that? That's a man that just answered the call. Or some of you, you're thinking that this or that has to line up before God can prosper you. He's bigger than that. I said, he's bigger than that. He doesn't need your resume. He doesn't need your references. All he needs is your yes. And when you surrender to him, you say, Lord, I'm I'm just a country boy from Alabama, but if you've called me to lead that church, I'll say yes. And then I need you to tell me how to do it. But I'll charge into the power source and I'll walk into the favor and I'll step into my anointing and I'm gonna know how in the moment. What is that? That's a life of faith. You've been equipped for your assignment. Father, I pray for this amazing group of people. I thank you for sending Jesus to die for them, to call them, to separate them. I thank you that they know their purpose in you. Lord, we take a hold of these tools today, the the Holy Spirit, the anointing, the favor and the know-how, the the knowledge, the wisdom of Christ. We receive it today by faith. And we say yes to you. Wherever you've called us to go, whatever you've called us to do, we say yes. Lord, special grace, special anointing for those that are frustrated on their jobs or with their assignment. Lord, remind them about why they're there. It's all about souls. It's all about harvest. It's all about kingdom. Maybe you're here today and you're hearing me preaching. You're new to this or you don't know Christ. I want to extend you an invitation here before we go, and that is to receive Jesus into your life. And what I mean by that is accepting the assignment and discovering the purpose that he has for you. It's so simple. Religion makes it difficult. Christ made it simple. And he made it so simple, he just said, hey, if you'll call out to me, I'll answer. If you need help, I'll save you. Today, all across this room and for those watching online, I want to give that invitation to you. I want to lead you in that prayer. I like to say it this way. I want to give you, through Christ, a fresh start today. All across this auditorium, you say, man, I need that purpose you're talking about. I need that Jesus. I need that light. Just put your hand up and wave it at me. You can put it right back down. I just, yes, sir, I'll pray for you. Yes, sir, I see that. Yes, ma'am. I see you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Oh, man, lots of hands go up. I see you too right here on the front row. Yes, I see you back here. Yes, ma'am. All the way in the back. I see you. Welcome, welcome. Yes. Anybody else want to join these brave people and say, man, I, I need a fresh start today. I need Jesus. I see you right over here. Yes. Got you, buddy. Yes, sir. Oh, it's exciting. If, if you're watching online and you, you need prayer, just right there in the chat box, say, hey, somebody pray with me. I need that Jesus he's talking about, and our team will connect with you. Anybody else before we go? I don't want to rush anything. Anybody else say, pray, Pastor, pray for me. I need that Jesus. I got you. Yes, yes, got him. Yes, sir, got you. Takes, yes, yes, man, I see you. Thank you for being brave. It takes guts to surrender your life to the Lord. All across this auditorium, if you raised your hand or maybe you just didn't want to, I see you, yeah, buddy. Oh, man, still going up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you just pray this out of your heart with me? Some of you say, man, I don't want to to raise my hand. That's okay. Pray this out of your heart. God's going to show up in your life in one moment. And if you're here as part of a family, let's just say this together. Say, dear Heavenly Father, I declare that I choose Jesus today. I believe that He's the Son of God, that He died on a cross for me to redeem me and buy me back. Today I say yes. I say yes to Jesus. I say yes to His purpose for my life. In front of my friends, in front of my family, I declare Jesus the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you make some noise for all those that prayed that prayer today? Welcome to the family.